Thank you, sir. Wow. It's so good to come back to a place and meet friends. Meet people that you know. I'm going to just change this a minute. Yeah, it's just fun to, just fun to see you. And I'm kind of excited at what um, is going to happen over these next couple of days. Um, we deliberately made it a little bit shorter than the little conference that we did last time. Um, this is kind of a taster, um, but I know some of you have already tasted because it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, um, so as I'm saying, that we get to taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, one of the things that I've seen, um, I saw this a lot in Europe, um, especially in Scandinavia, that as soon as people start to drink of this revelation of the Father's love, as soon as you start drinking of that, you realize that you found something that hasn't been available before, to your, or obviously has been available, but now it's there and happening. And we see a lot of people going on multiple schools. And when I first saw that, I thought, isn't there something wrong with these people? Surely they received the teaching the first time, surely they've got it. And that's not the way, that's really not the way we look at it. We don't look like we're coming with a teaching we're coming with a revelation. Yes. And the truth about revelation is that not only does it go deeper, it, it continues to come and develop who we are as believers in our relationship with him, etc., etc. So saying all that, um, if you were here in March, it was March, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. It was March. It's amazing how time has marched on since then. But um, excuse the little joke. Um, I would encourage you, you know, if, if you've got time and you want to come, we would really encourage you just to take the week because it's going to be a week of just soaking in the revelation. And I've noticed the schools that I've led, rather we've led, that not one of those schools has been the same. And every single time when we open, I open my iPad, I've got a core teaching that comes out, it never comes out the same. And there's things that we add, there's things that we take away and we, we do different things. So, and that is all because of what the fathers wanted to put into people's hearts and, and do. Amen. So I would encourage you, if you haven't come, um, consider taking the week. If you have come, consider taking another week and it will be well, well worth. I know, how many of you were on the school in March? Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's great. So it's really well, well worth it. We, um, Ganilla and I have just come back from Europe. Um, we were in Sweden. Spent most of our time in Sweden, but also in the UK. And we also went to Holland for a holiday. 
I've never done a holiday in Holland before, but I got to do a holiday in the in the Netherlands, as they say. I was as a tongue cruiser holiday in Holland, and it was just great. It was just great, kind of going back home and and being there, even though, you know, we were blessed with rain some of the time, but we were also blessed with sunshine other parts of the time as well. And um, I this year as well, not only did I go was in Europe, but I got to go to Bangladesh. Anybody here been to Bangladesh? No? And I, I met a man called Newton. It's a great British name, that not it? English name, Newton. And um, he is from Indian. His father's Indian, his mother's Bangladeshi. And he, he came to the Lord, brought up in a Christian home. And his mother was one of the first Pentecostal believers in Bangladesh and um, this man not only does business but has got a great heart to reach the whole nation and trains leaders and I went and spent um, a whole 10 days with him in Bangladesh and it was it was you know we just before we arrived I'd had to cancel one trip in I was due to go in May had to cancel that because of all these regulations with COVID and I traveled again on 2nd of um, July, but just before that, on the 1st of July, the Bangladeshi government declared, we're now going into full lockdown. And it, it was just too late to change my plans. We talked together, I talked with Newton, he said, come. And we, we had an incredible time. And I realized that what we think is a severe lockdown isn't really no lockdown at all when you get to a country and on the subcontinent. It's like the rickshaws are out, the people are out, traffic jams, like people everywhere. So we just had a great time. I got to go into the bush, um, going to some community, a lot of Muslim communities, went into Hindu communities, just amazing, amazing time. And we're hopefully gonna go back next year. I might even take my dear Swedish wife with me as well. You know, to Bangladesh, and the food is really good. The food is really, really good. <laughs> I like Indian subcontinent food. I would like us to open our Bibles to John chapter 17 and verse 3. John 17 and verse 3. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And Jesus is pouring out his heart for you and for I. But there's some incredible, we would call it theology or truth encapsulated in the words that Jesus speaks. And Jesus says, and this is eternal life, the, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. So at the very heart of the gospel, the very heart of the gospel God's intention 
is that he would have a relationship with us. Not only does he know us, but we would get to know him. We would relate to one another. The Father to me, me to the Father, and there would be an ongoing relationship between us. So God is a relational God. He comes and he brings and establishes the, 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 the very essence of what the Godhead is like. Because existing within the Godhead is this beautiful relationship. He comes to bring the very essence of relationship to us through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verses 1. We're going to look at a number of bits of scripture this evening. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And I want to ask you a question. And the question is this. I'm not going to answer the question just yet. But I want to ask you this question. What was the primary reason the Holy Spirit was sent? What was the primary reason for which the Holy Spirit was sent? And so I don't know how well your, your, your Bible knowledge is or how long you've been a Christian. In some ways, it doesn't really matter because God just could pop the answer right into your heart and you know, you're ahead of the curve, which is great. But I want to look at that tonight, the primary reason for which the Holy Spirit was actually sent. So it's Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place. So relationship is happening amongst these people. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the coming, this is the event of the coming of the Holy Spirit onto the church. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we see a number of things here, but what we very clearly see is the coming of, of God, the coming of the Spirit of God on those 120 people that were waiting in the upper room, and they were waiting patiently for this promise of the Father. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will send you the promise of the Father in Luke 24 verse 49. And here comes the promise of the Father. Now I want to ask you a question, and this one you can answer. But when the Holy Spirit came, did he just sit upon them or did he go to live inside of them? He went to fill them, didn't he? Yeah. So the first evidence they saw, or the first evidence of God coming, was wind. They evidenced a wind, a blowing of a rushing wind coming into that room. 
Then they evidenced a fire, tongues of fire that came into that room. And he says, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what becomes clear here is that now God has come to indwell these people. God indwelt these 120 people. Now just just take a moment to just reflect upon that. I'm going to say, now, now were these 120 people perfect? No. They, they were just ordinary folks, weren't they? They were just folks like you and I. Men and women, young and old, from various different backgrounds, social, economical backgrounds, coming from all sorts of different arenas in life. And they were waiting for this promise of the Father. And when God comes, he comes right into them. Now, that is really an amazing thing, isn't it? Because up to that point in history, up to that historical point in history, that pinpoint, if you like, that mark in history, that had not taken place. The only person that we know that that had taken place to was Jesus. That's the only person that that had taken place for. We do have many instances throughout the Holy throughout the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit coming upon people. We have evidence of um, the Holy Spirit gifting people in certain ways, like prophets, priests, and kings. So the Holy Spirit was at work, was using people, was anointing people. But up to this particular point, there wasn't a time when now God was going to come and literally indwell humanity that's an amazing thing you see a lot of our notion of Christianity is that we have got to get to God we have got to find a way to God we've got to climb up somehow to his um, prominent height to be like him in some way in order to be accepted in order to be loved in order to be something like he is. But now what we see happening here is that instead of the gospel being an ascent for us, rather the gospel is God descending into us. Wow. That's an amazing thing. That's really an incredible... I just shiver my timbers. That really is, that, that should rock, rock our world. It really rock our world. Because that changed everything for these people. This revolutionized their life. This turned their lives upside down. This made men that were timid and fearful, bold, and without fear, ready to do anything for God. Because now, God indwelt them in the same way that God actually indwells us. 
Wow. We've got to reflect on it because I don't think we take enough time to really consider this. The implications, the enormity of this. Because for all of us, one of the great challenges we have is how do we live out the Christian walk? How do we believe, be the believer that God really desires of us and longs for us? And many of us struggle because we're, we're like striving little orphans trying to do everything right. And we, we're trying to do something from God instead of allowing him to live on the inside of us. Allowing him to live on the inside of us. But what starts to happen in Acts chapter 2 for the first time in history, for the first time now is God is indwelling ordinary men and women. And the indwelling, his indwelling in ordinary men and women not only changed their lives, but changed that city, changed communities, and started to change history. Because now God is now living inside men, and men are letting God live. When we go on to read throughout Acts chapter 2, we can just stay in Acts chapter 2 if you like, and I, because I've read it multiple times, I pretty much know what happens. But when we take a careful look in Acts chapter 2, we can easily come to this conclusion that the primary purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit was so the believers could have power. We could come to that conclusion quite easily because we could say these men that were without power and were weak and were timid, all of a sudden they were empowered by God. Now that is true. They were truly empowered by God. Because let me tell you something. If Almighty God comes to live inside of us, we are empowered by God. We are empowered by God, aren't we? There is no, that, that, there's no ambiguity there whatsoever. We are empowered by God. And with that comes all the other evidence that we see on this particular day because we see the speaking of tongues. We, you know, we see miracles. We see signs. We see wonders. We see Peter preaching with great authority. We see 3,000 people coming to Christ. We see the church being born. And we see um, evangelism taking place through the whole of that city, Jerusalem, from house to house, breaking of bread, sharing of lives. And all of a sudden, there was just an explosion of God actually on the scene. And it's easy to come to a conclusion that the primary reason why God sent the Spirit to you and I was so we could have power and we could do the works of God. We can absolutely do the works of God. We are absolutely powered, empowered by His grace and His love that is incredibly powerful. But what is the primary reason what is 
the primary reason why God does this. This coming and filling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit into the hearts and lives of these people. What is the primary reason for this? Well, we see that relationship that's talked about in John chapter 17, verse 3, that you may know God, the only true God, the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. There is a relationship at the very heart of the gospel. The gospel is not an angry father sending a son to the cross to appease his wrath and his judgment. The father was in Christ redeeming the world to himself. Now we see this picture in Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, we get a beautiful clue as to the primary purpose. Because that primary purpose is actually lived out by the Son and by Jesus. Get a little vatentake. Can I have some? Have you got some more, more water? Thank you, Mark. So what we see in Acts, in, sorry, in Luke chapter three, is actually a picture. Not only is it an historical event, it's actually a picture for us. And what we also need to remember, this is just a little um, Bible knowledge for you, is that both Luke and Acts were written by the same person. Okay? And one actually mirrors the other. Okay? There is a mirroring of Luke's gospel and Acts of the Apostles. Well, in Luke chapter 3 and verse 21 and 22, this is when Jesus was baptized. And I'm going to read verse 21 and 22 to you. Then all the people were baptized. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. It's not surprising really, is it? When Jesus prayed that the heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice from heaven Sorry, a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. So here we have Jesus. Standing in the river Jordan. He's about to be baptized by John the Baptist. As he goes into the water... He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus. 
And then a voice says to him, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. In the moment of the coming of the Spirit upon Jesus, the Son of God, a voice came from, comes from heaven which says, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. You see, not only, you see, the Trinity were inseparable. They are one. We believe in one God, but who is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is inseparable. But now the incarnation has taken place, and now what is being shown to the world is the influence and presence and reality of the third member of the Trinity coming upon Jesus and then the Father saying, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now, I find it profoundly, profoundly significant that at the moment the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, that the Father says to the Son, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Because when I look and when I see, and what I see is that the primary purpose for me of the Holy Spirit is what I would call, I would call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Sonship. Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Sonship. Because as the Holy Spirit came to the world, Jesus was being witnessed by all these people around him and he was being witnessed as the Son. This is the Son. Yes, power would be upon him. Yes, miracles would take place. Yes, signs and wonders would happen. But in the context of the filling and the coming of the Spirit on Jesus was this affirmation from the Father saying, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now, when, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, back in 1984, that was last century. Some of you know that. You, you were there with me. All of you probably were there with me. I think you were all there with me. None of us are under 21 years of age. <clears throat> and we were, I was brought up in a Baptist church. A Baptist church. And at that time, our wee little church, like about 100 people, was becoming um, a little bit charismatic. What that basically meant was this, was that worship was becoming a little more contemporary, um, meetings were going on a little bit longer, and not only did they use the organ, but now they started to have a worship band. And a lot of people really did not like that. 
they thought they thought they'd be going to hell if they heard drums in a church but they did hear drums in a church praise god you know so they were becoming they they were becoming mildly because i've been in some radical places let me tell you they were becoming mildly charismatic they were being touched by god but they became mildly charismatic in addition to that even though this was not preached from the front my father actually was the pastor not this was not preached from the front but people started to whisper about this thing about being filled with the spirit baptized in the spirit and they began to whisper about speaking in tongues now most of the people there most of the people like they'd not not heard of that but a few little there was a few troublemakers a few little troublemakers that were getting hold of this and were kind of it was being gossiped you know the gospel was being gossiped amongst the people it was really quite an interesting thing watching it thinking back now well when i got i remember it in june 1984 i really came back to god i got filled with the holy spirit and me and my friend i i saw this friend last time i, I haven't seen him for years but i saw him at my mum's funeral it was about three three and a half years ago nearly four years ago and um we were chatting together and he's exactly my age same age as me and um we in 1984 in august 1984 we started gossiping together what about this this tongues thing now we had never heard it we never heard anybody speaking tongues we never this didn't happen at ichthus where you were but where we were it's like well what is this and we'd heard stories we'd read some books and we'd read some scripture so he and i sat in our front room i remember the house very close to where my dad still lives in my hometown on the south coast of england and we were in this front room and we said okay we're going to pray and we're going to ask god to give us the gift of tongues now we we didn't know what to do we had nobody coming and putting their hand on our head or our chest or or speak after me or anything we had nothing we just heard about it and so we sat in these in these two young we're both 24 years of our age and we're just kind of on fire for god and we're saying god give it give us this give us these tongues uh, uh, <laughs> what's going to happen <laughs> but all of a sudden all of a sudden something did happen and i did start to speak in tongues i remember i started to speak in tongues in this guy's house in 1984 it started wow and i remember and in those times this was six months before i went to bible school went to ywam homestead manor no homestead manor that's where i went and i would walk i would walk <coughs> along the road to work and i worked literally about 200 yards from kingsway you know where that is that's where i worked and i would walk from my house to this place early in the morning and i was an engineer i was a mechanical engineer and it's like 7 30 in the morning and the cold it's october 
like November in England, it's really cold. And it's like you're freezing. And I would just practice my tongues. And just do this, you know, because it's like, wow, I got a I got a gift. I've really got a gift. And I'd I'd actually discovered something that the Holy Spirit had given me. Something now now that it it wasn't dancing on my head, but it was literally ever since that time, ever since that time, thirty seven years ago, I've been able to do that. And I've actually done that every country I've been in. I've been able to pray like that or worship like that. It's been there available. I've done it on airplanes flying out around the world I've done it I've, I've done it in restrooms everywhere <laughs> you know I've been able to do it because God has been living inside me and I've discovered something of God that is given me that's actually on the inside of me which is a beautiful thing then I went off to YWAM and I go off to YWAM and I'm just excited I'm like I'm like wound up and I just want to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation because I'd really heard God speak to me that, that summer of 84. And all I wanted to do was go to Africa, go to Asia or go, go somewhere and what have you. And, but I discovered on this Bible school that not only can you speak in tongues, but you can hear the voice of God. Wow. Now, it, I hadn't put two and two together to make four. What had been happening for a long time was that I'd been actually hearing the voice of God. I just wasn't aware of it. But now they're talking about it, hearing God's voice. But now they're talking about giving what God's saying to you. You can share it with someone else. I thought that was really cool. And then I get these pictures and images about people's ailments or issues in their knees or their back or what have you and I'd share those out and I think wow somebody I met I remember driving in a car up of a, a moat what they call a motorway in England a, you call it a freeway here and I'm I'm 10 miles south of this one service area where I'm going to stop and have lunch and I remember the Lord telling me that in this next restaurant that you're going to go to there's a girl there I think the Lord even gave me her name and you're going to meet this girl and she has just broken up in a relationship and I very simply want you to tell her that I love her now I heard that I thought wow that's really cool but I got really nervous my heart started to beat I had a few palpitations it was like what is happening this is a bit crazy and so I drove up parked my car got off the motorway parked my car went into the restaurant and I thought, well, I'll eat my food first and just calm down a bit, see if anything happens. But then, then, oh, I remember the Lord said to me, it's the manager of the, of the restaurant. The manager of the restaurant, that's who it is. And so I went to the cash point and said, can I speak to the manager, please? And I'm just, Jackie. Jackie. Was her name Jackie? Her name was Jackie. Oh, that's right, yeah, her name was Jackie. Oh, and she is the manager, that's right. 
Her name is Jackie and she is the manager. You're getting all excited. Hardly <laughs> glad, no. <laughs> and um, so I go to the cash port. I said, is there a girl here called Jackie? And I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure if this is going to be or not. Then the lady said to me, oh, I'll just go and get her for you. I thought, wow, there is a girl here called Jackie. Well, Jackie, then this girl came back and said, oh, Jackie's coming. By the way, she's the manageress of the restaurant. I thought, wow. So Jackie comes towards me, and I just share what God has, what God has given me. And as I'm sharing it, I just see the Holy Spirit literally land upon her. Her eyes just, she all tears up, and she literally, she's overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, wow, that is really quite cool. Now, things similar to that, a number, a number of things have happened similar to that, quite a few over the years where, where God's just done stuff like that. Because he's living inside me, and I've realized that's available to me. That's actually available to me. Okay? Then I found out about deliverance. I'm thinking that God, that I remember on a Bible school that that um, we would we had this one lecture on how God wants to set us free. And when you're in YWAM, you're in these dormitories, and YWAM because they want to save money and save space, they don't have bunks with two people on them. They have bunks with three people on them. Okay, and they're careful not to put the heaviest guy at the top just in case he falls right through. So my bunk, I was, I was on the bottom, and then I had two guys. There was two, two levels. So it's, and we had 12 in the room. There was four bunk beds with three on each. Well, the guy above me is standing next to me in this first meeting when they start talking about deliverance. Now, I'd never seen anybody manifest I'd never, the only manifestation I saw was going to church and people singing a hymn. That's, that was a, as far as my, my experience of a manifestation was concerned. <laughs> well, I'm in this meeting, I'm in this meeting, and it's, it's like all of a sudden they talk about God setting us free and these hang-ups in our lives and God wants to, and I'm standing next to the guy that's in the bunk right above me. And the guy at the front starts praying. And this guy praying is a Swedish guy. He, his name is Arnie. And he is the leader of the base. He was also a missionary in Kenya. And he had a real deep voice. In fact, his grandfather was a very famous Swedish preacher called Levi Petros that planted many different churches throughout Sweden. Have you heard of Levi Petros? It was his grandson. And um, so this guy, he's saying, calm, calm, Holy Spirit, like this. I'm thinking, I'm like shaking already, you know, hearing this. Well, my friend next to me, all of a sudden, his, his, his hands start to shake violently. And I'm looking at his face, and his face is contorting. His face is literally contorting. And I'm thinking, now, I've never seen that guy behave like that before, and that looks a little strange for me. And I probably watched The Exorcist too many times, so I'm, I'm kind of moving 
I'm kind of moving in this direction. And then people started to get prayer, and I started to see demons come out of people. Yeah. Now, I'm, this, this is new to me. And I, <laughs> I tell my dad, who's the Baptist minister, in you know, home, I said, Dad, we saw demons come out. He said, I hope they didn't go into other people. <laughs> you know, he's really worried about it. <laughs> no, I think I'm okay. <laughs> and, but I realize that this is something that God has actually given us. He's given us this authority and this presence and anointing on the inside of us, you know. Then a number of years later, I start to hear about the Father. And I'd never really heard about the Father. Now, I'd read a book about the Father. I knew, I knew something about the doctrine of the Father, that he's part of the Trinity. Jesus comes from the Father receives the Holy Spirit from the Father, et cetera, et cetera, and all these things. But in 2005, I start to hear about the Father. And at first, when I start to hear about the Father, all of a sudden, my heart is literally starts to become overwhelmed by love. Overwhelmed by love, overwhelmed by his compassion, overwhelmed by his mercy. And literally, my heart is breaking. I'm crying, I'm weeping, I'm a mess for many, many months because of this revelation of love that's, that's coming to me. And I'm thinking to myself, this is completely opposite to everything that I've received as a Christian. You know, the tongues, the gifts, the power, the anointing, all that stuff. It seems to be contrary to all this stuff now I'm receiving about love. And for a long time, I couldn't marry the two. I couldn't bring these two things together. And I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I would go to some churches and they'd be so used to me ministering a certain way with, you know, w you know with the prophetic and power gifts and what have you. They, they didn't really like me coming in there and talking about the love of the Father. They never invited me back. We don't want the love of the Father. We just want the power gifts. It was literally like that. And that created a huge conflict and a huge issue in my heart. Well, how do I deal with this? I didn't know what to do. And for, for a long time, I couldn't reconcile both these two realities because at that time, I didn't see that they were both sourced by the Holy Spirit, by the life of God living on the inside of me. All I could see was the power part and I couldn't grapple with or understand the Father and his love. And when I under started to see the Father and his love, I didn't know what to do with the power part. But now, as time has gone on, 
as I've rested, as I've waited, as I've prayed, I've started to see something that I've not seen before. That the primary reason why God sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts was so that you and I could be sons. And because we're sons, we get to do the same things that Jesus did. We get to do the same things that Jesus did. This is what Paul, Paul wasn't there on the day of Pentecost. I don't know where Paul was. Paul was doing, doing something. Paul turns up a little bit later in Acts, Acts 6, Acts 7. He's holding the coats of the people as they're um, stoning Stephen. But as Paul writes to the church at Rome, this is Paul's observation about the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is not a different Holy Spirit that does signs and wonders. This by no means is a different Holy Spirit that reveals the love of the Father. So in Romans 5 and verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Let us read that again, shall we? Just to let that just, just kind of soak into our, into our spirits. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you know, you may not know, you may know, you may not know, that the Holy Spirit may have been poured into your heart, but you have no revelation of love. God has come to live and dwell inside you. He is a God of relationship. He's a God who longs to know you, a God who longs that you might know him as well. Do you know it's highly likely that the Holy Spirit indwells you and there is no revelation of love? Things in our hearts and our lives are being continually revealed. They are being unfolded. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has in store. But there comes a time when the reality of God living on the inside of you reveals to you and I who he really is. Not by what he does, but by how he loves you and treats you as an individual. That is the same Holy Spirit that speaks in tongues through you, that prophesies through you, that casts out demons through you, that heals the sick through you. It is the same 
Holy Spirit. There are not two Holy Spirits. There's only one. One is enough, believe me. Romans, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you see, that's the working and the operating and the functioning of the life of Spirit in the heart of the believer. Whether by dreams, visions, whether by, um, you know, opening the Word and having a revelation, the leading of the Spirit is done happens through the Holy Spirit. He says, these are sons of God. Wow. Then it says, for you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to your fear, but you received, now I'm going to change your word here because I actually disagree with this one particular word and I'll explain why in a minute. You did not receive a spirit of a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive a spirit of sonship by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. Now let me tell you why I changed, I put the word sonship in and not the word adoption. What? Does the NIV say sonship? Oh, let me read the NIV. The nearly infallible version. Or the, the, the Northern Ireland version. <laughs> verse verse um, six, 15. Perhaps you had a better Bible than me all along, Ganilla. What is, perhaps yours is the NIV. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him you cry, Abba, Father. Now, let me just say this to you. That it th that is a good translation. The amplified is a bit louder than the rest of them. That's good. <laughs> now, um, I don't believe that we were adopted for the very simple reason that you and I were God's idea. He created you and I. We look at Psalm 139. We were formed in our mother's womb. And we were, we were created to be his children. We were created as his children. We are created in the very image of God. Okay? If we're adopted, that implies that we didn't belong to start with. Are you with me? If we were adopted, it implies that we didn't belong to start with. But the word redemption or the word to be redeemed means that you are actually coming back to your origin. You were bought back with a price to the one that created you, the one that made you, 
and you're coming back into that relationship for which you were very firstly created. The word here that in the New King James says adoption, the Greek word means to put a son in place. And it comes from the Roman, a Roman idea of a Roman um, man having a family and he's got a business and he wants to um, give that business to one of his children. And he will put a son, given the responsibility, and he will put that son in place and he would be the one that carries the inheritance of the father for that particular business. That is the picture that Paul paints here. As to lay a bit of background for you, we were not, you and I were not adopted. You and I came home to the father. You and I came home to the father. So it says, for you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit, a spirit of sonship. Now that spirit of sonship whom you received actually causes you and I to cry out, Abba, Father. I saw something in Mark and Jane's house today. I can't remember which room it was in. It was in one of their rooms. But it says, we love him because he first loved us. When we realize our spirit of adoption, we're actually encountering the Father. When we're receiving that spirit of sonship, we are realizing the love and the reality of the Father coming to our hearts. And we cry out, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. The Holy Spirit that brings this revelation and realization into my heart was with me for 20 years before I came to this realization. And then in a season of my life in 2005, 2006, it was like the Holy Spirit then started to reveal to me who the Father was. And as he revealed who the Father was, I realized the spirit that was at work in me was a spirit of sonship and it was causing me now to say, Abba, Father. That changed my Christianity. Because when I take a look at the New Testament, not only do I fully believe that the reason why the Holy Spirit came was to establish sonship in the hearts of the believers, but what I see throughout the New Testament, the reason why the Son was incarnate, why Jesus came, died and rose again, was that his Father could have many sons and many daughters. It was for a purpose of we would come into the rights, the, the, the God-given rights of sonship. We would get to be sons and we would get to be his daughters the very reason why we were created. God himself 
bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, the difference is this. Instead of the Father, you see, we're okay with the Holy Spirit being closed. We're okay with Jesus being closed. But what we've seen is that even though we have experienced Jesus and the Holy Spirit being close, we have this conceptual understanding that the Father is still over there. The Father is still sitting where my friends are sitting. He's still there. He's not close like the Holy Spirit. He's not close like Jesus, but he is there. He exists. He's real. He's alive. He's the father of Jesus, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit is living in me. What happens when the spirit of sonship is realized in our hearts and our lives, no longer is it a conceptual intellectual understanding, but that conceptual intellectual understanding becomes a living experience. It becomes a living, living experience. Because now the spirit of adopt, the spirit of sonship, the same spirit that came upon Jesus, that was the spirit of sonship, came on the, on the heart of the son. And then the father said, you are my beloved son. The very next thing that happened, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Let us look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Possibly the first book that was written um, in the New Testament. The first book written in the New Testament. It's interesting. What does it say in verse 5? Is it the word adoption of sons there? Is that what it says there in um, verse 5, Gunilla? 4 verse 5. 5. The end of verse 5. Is the word adoption used? No. Four rights of sons. Four rights of sons. Okay. Well, let, let's read it. I'm going to read it from the, um, from the NIV. From the nearly infallible version. Let's start reading from verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. 
Okay? Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Because you are sons, I may talk more about this tomorrow night. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit in us is a spirit of sonship. The spirit in us is a spirit of sonship. The spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer, longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also, God has made you also an heir. Wow. In, in 37 years of being what I would call a spirit-filled believer, in 37 years, the greatest impact that God has brought upon my life is the realization that I am his son. Not that I can do things for him. Not that I'm anointed. Not that I'm gifted. Not that I have the gifts of the Spirit, speak in tongues, or all those other gifts of the Spirit, which are wonderful. But the greatest realization that I've had is that God is my Father, and I am his son. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. I look at the cross and I'm so thankful for the cross. But what I see in the cross is the love of the Father. That's what I see in the cross. Because he died because the, he knew the Father loved you and I. That's what I see. I see the love of the Father. Knowing God as a Father and knowing the fact that you and I have been, have been brought into a relationship and we become, we get to be His sons is being the greatest revolution that has taken place in my life. The greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. The greatest joy. See, I don't believe that in, in there's, a, there's a part of me that no longer is thirsty because I believe that I have tasted something now that that has satisfied the longing of my heart. 
the longing of all our hearts is to know God as Father. And when we discover that, something is satisfied. Something is completely and absolutely satisfied. Mm. Who put the sign out on the church, the front? Oh, hi. hi, RJ. RJ is, what does that stand for? Roger Jr. And who decided to put that verse on that sign outside? Was it? You did. RJ did. RJ put out on that sign outside, 1 John 3, chapter 1, verse 1. Sorry, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Listen. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't, doesn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we will know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You were, God was leading you, RJ, and you didn't even you weren't even aware. But that's great. I think it's great. Let's just put our hands on our hearts. I see around this room many beautiful individuals. that are being brought into a whole new realization that God is your Father. And that the reason you've experienced the Holy Spirit is so that you can know what it is to be his son. You can absolutely be his son and his daughter. And I see it all around this room right now. I see it all around this room. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is evidenced in our lives. And this same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in your hearts. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're bringing the realization 
to our hearts that we are children of God. We are sons. And you, Holy Spirit, are showing us the Father. You are showing us that Yahweh is Papa. You're showing us that Yahweh is Papa. So do that, Father. Just I see you doing it, Father, all around this room. Let it be an earthquake moment, a monumental moment in our life, an epiphany in our hearts. Holy Spirit, show us, show us Yahweh as Papa, as Abba. Because the Holy Spirit and Jesus tonight are bringing you home and are bringing you into sonship are bringing your hearts into sonship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're just going to wait a few moments. We're not going to rush. We're going to wait a few moments. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, you're right around this room. Holy Spirit, you're working in this place. You have not received a spirit of fear or bondage to fear but you've received a spirit of sonship and by him you cry Abba Father and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. And by him you cry, Abba, Father. And by him you cry, Abba, Father. God has poured into your heart the love of God by 
the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just see lights going on. I see lights getting turned on. I see some of you, your sadness, your mourning is being turned to a dance. It's like for some of you, your mourning is arriving. The winter is past. The winter is past. And behold, you hear the singing of the turtle dove in the land. Because the Father says, you can come home to me now. You can come home to me now. He loves you. He loves you. Wow. I'm just going to have everybody stand up just for a few moments. Put your hands out in front of you. Getting to know God is not about doing more, but it's about receiving. It's about receiving. And just receive. Just receive what God has given. That spirit of sonship. That spirit of sonship. Just receive it. The greatest gift you ever receive, the greatest present that's ever going to come to you, is being given to you right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Just take your right hand and put it on your head.
Say after me, thank you, Father. You're living inside of me. Thank you, Father. You're showing me who you are. And I get to be your son <coughs> and your daughter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Mark Burlingson. Wow. Was that an oil change or what? Thank you so much, Andy. This stuff makes all the difference when you just let it percolate. <laughs> right? And when you let it overflow. So I bless you to do both. So let it brew inside of you and to let it overflow to those around you. And we'll see you back here tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, for more. Because God likes to do more, we have discovered. And there's always more. So be blessed. Enjoy your day tomorrow. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 7.